Essays 9 and 10 of The Romance of the Commonplace by Gillette Burgess. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Essay 9. The Deserted Island. A friend of mine is curiously hampered by a limitation precluding him from association with anyone conversant with the details of the manufacture of cold-drawn wire to show that this self-imposed abstinence may indicate a most charming devotion to an ideal rarely shown by the commonplace is the object of this thesis and that too despite the fact that an indiscriminating extension of the same principle would lead the radical to eschew the society of most of his acquaintances as well as bar out the whole domain of didactic literature when the day is done and that entrancing hour is come for which some spend many of their waking hours in anticipation to those blessed with fancy the curtain of the dark arises and within the theatre of the night are played strange comedies to a select performance i invite all uninitiated who have never enjoyed the drama of the deserted island the perfect and satisfactory employment for the minutes that elapse after retiring and before the anchor is weighed and the voyage begun upon the sea of dreams there are undoubtedly more than i am aware of who are happy enough to maintain deserted islands of their own many more perhaps than would confess to the possession to some the history may be well under way they have long since discovered their island and many improvements have already been successfully completed others more adventurous handicapped by stricter limitations and more meagre outfit are still struggling with the primal demands of food and shelter but to those whose imaginations have never put so far out to sea and would welcome this modest diversion i advise an expedition of discovery and exploration this very night you have but to go to bed close your eyes and after a few preliminaries you are there authorities differ as to the allowable equipment for the occupancy of the sequestered territory i myself hold that it is manifestly unfair to be provided with tools of any kind to have a knife now i would call cheating surely the only legitimate beginning is to be vomited upon the beach stark naked from the sea after some fearsome shipwreck in mid-ocean then after years of occupancy a man might taste the pride of his own resources unfettered by any legacy inherited from civilization settle this point as you may when the conditions of the game are once understood the whole history of science is to be reenacted. i have a friend who arrived upon the scene in an open boat containing a keg of water a crowbar a pruning knife a red silk handkerchief and a woman's petticoat and with these promiscuous accessories has in the course of years transformed the place which now boasts a stone castle entirely inhabitable his island is about two miles long and a half mile wide much too narrow for comfort i assert the proportions should be about five miles by three with one dominant hill from which the whole territory may be surveyed but the owner of the other island he of the cold-drawn wire boldly asserts his right to a half-dozen labourers presumably natives and with this force at his disposal he has done wonders with his fief 
glass has been manufactured fabrics woven ore smelted and fine roads constructed so that there now remains nothing to be desired but bicycles upon which he and his slaves may traverse the highways but in vain his unskilled assistants look to him for advice rack his wits as he may he can devise no adequate system of making cold drawn wire and he is beginning to lose caste with his followers now at first sight one might think it necessary for him only to consult an encyclopedia or to visit an iron mill yet this course is strictly barred out by the rules of the game which compels one to use only such information as comes naturally to hand for one is likely to be cast ashore upon a desert island at any moment and it is then too late for the research and education that has been before neglected with any ingenious fellow who has his own amateur ideas on the subject one may of course talk freely for he may represent one of the more intelligent of the natives but all they who really know whereof they speak are to be avoided so the problem of the cold-drawn wire is still unsolved i know of an artist who free on this enchanted spot has turned his energies to those diverting pursuits for which his studio leaves no time and he builds gigantic rock mosaics on the cliffs selecting from the many-coloured boulders on the beach luxuries are his only necessities even in his daily life and the enormity of his trifling on this holiday playground is a thing to wonder at his art so used to a censorship of nature in his professional mimicries here goes boldly forth and so mends prunes and patches the aspect of his island that the place is now he says absolutely perfect a consummation not altogether discreditable to a nude near-sighted man whose eyeglasses were washed off before he arrived on the spot but taking the situation seriously what will he be in the years to come by what gradations shall the lonely artist sink to low and lower levels abandoned by the stimulus of the outer world the need for advance and the struggle for recognition how soon would he lose the desire to render in the medium at hand the lovely forms of nature about him the subtle tones of the earth and air lapsing by stages into ever cruder forms of expression till the whole history of his development had been reversed and he became content with rude squares triangles and circles for his patterns the barbarous effigies of the human form and the primary colours that satisfy the savage and the sense of humour too that universal solvent of all our miseries the oil that lubricates the cumbrous machinery of life how soon would that go is it not in the last analysis dependent upon the by-play of the social relationship of men the inconsistencies of our fellows must be first noticed before we can get the reflected light of ridicule upon our own grotesque actions it would soon be lost in such a sojourn our impatience would have no foil we would take ourselves more and more seriously until the end came upon that day when we had at last forgotten how to laugh but after all as this text of the hypothetical deserted island is better fitted for a romance than for a sermon we may leave such forebodings and trace out only the rising curve of improvement 
and so too interesting as it might be to experience we may leave aside the moral speculations incident to the discussion of the case where the place becomes occupied by a man and a woman the possibilities of a shipwreck in company are not for such a brief memoir as this they offer consideration too intimate for these discreet pages and are best left to the exclusion of a private audience but choose your company carefully i entreat you if you are not soberly minded to be shipwrecked alone i know of persons with whom were i cast ashore there could be no end not tragic albeit these are highly respectable and praiseworthy individuals who never did any harm except in that trick of manner by which we recognize the bore i am often inclined to test the merits of others by mentally permitting them a short visit to my island but the hazard is too great and the thought of the possibility of their footprints upon the sand unnerves me yet to a distant islet of this fantastic archipelago i seriously consider consigning certain impossible acquaintances absolutely intolerable personalities whose probable fate forced to endure each other's society interests me beyond words upon one side of this faraway retreat rises a steep cliff overhanging the sea and here i behold in imagination one after another of these marooned unfortunates pushed headlong over the slope as unable to support the society of his companions each has in turn by some stratagem lured his hated accomplice in misery to the summit of the cliff but of one island i have not yet spoken i can get no description of it save that it lies sleeping in the summer sun washed by the sapphire tides and fanned by the cool south winds its olive slopes rising softly from the beach marked by a grove of fruit trees at the crest more the owner will not tell for celestine says there is no use for a deserted island after it is charted but by these signs i shall know the place and my trees are felled and my sails are plaited that shall yet bear me over towards the southwest essay ten the sense of humour much as one may look through the small end of a telescope and find an unique and intrinsic charm in the spectacle there offered so to certain eyes the whole visible universe is humorous from the apparition of this dignified little ball rolling soberly through the starry field of the firmament to the unwarrantable gravity of a neighbor's straw hat macrocosm and microcosm may minister to the merriment of man there is more in heaven and earth than is dreamed of in the philosophy of the realist it is one attribute of a man of parts that he shall have in his mental vision what corresponds to the accommodation of his eye a flexibility of observation that enables him to adapt his mind to the focus of humour myopia and strabismus we know the dullard can point their analogies in the mental optics but for this other misunderstood function we have no name and yet failing that we have dignified it as a sense apart the sense of humour but no form of lens has been discovered to correct its aberration and transfer the message in pleasurable terms to the lagging brain and unless we attempt hypnotism as a last resort the prosiest must go purblind for life missing all but the baldest jokes of existence 
is it not significant that from the ancient terminology of leechcraft this word humour has survived in modern medicine to be applied only to the vitreous fluid of the eye for humour is the medium through which all the phenomena of human intercourse may be witnessed and for those normal minds that possess it tints this world with a rare colour like that of the mysterious ultraviolet rays of the spectrum and indeed to push further into modern science and speculation perhaps this ray does not undulate but shoots forth undeviating as truth itself like that from the cathode pole or does it not strike our mental retina from some secret fourth dimension but this is mere verbiage similes flattering to the elect but unconvincing to the uninitiate yet as i am resolved that humour is essentially a point of view i would have a try at proselytizing for the doctrine for here is a religion ready-made to my hand i have but to raise my voice and become its prophet the seeds are all sown the fraternity broods hidden in hidden chapters guarding the grand hailing sign who knows but that a spark might not touch off this seasoned fuel and the flames carry everything before it o oh, my readers i give you the philosophy of mirth the cult of laughter yet it is an esoteric faith mind you unattainable by the multitude not of the tee-hee papa's dead school nor of the giggling punsters are its devotees no comic weekly shall be its organ it must be hymned not by the hoarse guffaw but in the quiet inward smile and for its ritual i submit the invisible humour of the commonplace oh paradox brethren from this flimsy pulpit i assert with sincerity that everything on two legs and most on four sleeping or awake bow-legged or knock-kneed has its humorous aspect the curtain never falls on the diversion you will tell me no doubt that here i ride too hard adam you will say with reason set aside in the beginning certain animals for our perpetual amusement to wit the goose the monkey the ostrich the kangaroo and as a sublime afterthought symbol of the eternal feminine the hen civilization you may admit has added to these the goat but save in rare moods of insanity as when the puppy pursues the mad orbit of his tail the sight of only the aforesaid beasts makes for risibility the cat you will say is never ridiculous but here again we must hark back to the major premise unrecognized though it be by the science of aesthetic that humour lies in the point of view if i could prove it by mere iteration it would go without further saying that it is essentially subjective rather than objective surely there is no humour in insensate nature as there is little enough in art and music the bees the trees the fountains and the mountains take themselves seriously enough and though according to the minor poets the fields and the brooks are at times moved to laughter it is from a vegetable pointless joy of life through the human wit alone and that too rarely the rays of thought are refracted in the angle of mirth and split into whimsical rays of complementary sensations and contrasts when we lay off the mantle of seriousness and relax the flexors and extensors if we are well fed 
healthy and of a peaceful mood and capable of indolence men and women and even we ourselves should become to our view players on the stage of life and what then is comedy but tragedy seen backward or downside up it is the negative or corollary of what is vital in this great game of life the custom has been however to give it a place apart and unrelated to the higher unities as the newspapers assign their witticisms to isolated columns rather is it the subtle polarity induced by graver thought the reading between the lines of the page and as to the vigorous intellect rest does not come through inactivity so much as by a change of occupation the happy humorist is refreshed by the solace of impersonality for to the initiate his own inconsistencies and indiscretions are no less diverting than those of his associates and should frequently give rise to emotions that impel him to hurry into a corner and scream aloud with mirth it is ever the situation that is absurd and never the victim and in this lies the secret of his ability to appreciate a farce of which he himself is the hero he must disincarnate himself as the whim blows and hang in the air a god for the time gazing with amusement at the play of his own ridiculous failures in some such way perhaps do the curious turn over the patterned fabric to discover on the reverse the threads and stitches that explain the construction of the design this faculty then gives one the stamp of caste by which one may know his brethren the world over an order of whose very existence many shall never be aware till in some after-life some grinning god conducts them to the verge of the heavens and leaning over a cloud bids them behold the spectacle of this little planet swarming with its absurdly near-sighted denizens la renaissance for this is to be the age of humour we travail for the blithe rebirth of joy into the world the decadence with its morbid personalities and accursed analysis of exotic emotion is over please god yet we may adopt its methods and refine the simplicity of primary impulse thus increasing the whole sum of pleasure with the delicate nuances that amplify the waves of feeling hark o oh my reader do you not hear them rising like overtones and turning the melody into a divine harmony end of essay ten